Vineyard Westside welcomes everyone. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. Come as you are, because we believe that love wins, period. Good morning again. (laughs) You guys got an extra long chatty time because I do not like this mic, so if it falls off, we'll just go to plan B. (laughs) All right, I'm going to have our ushers come forward. We're going to start with that, and then we'll get into the message today. Oh, Father, we love you, and we just give you this offering today. Yes, God. (laughs) We just give you this offering, and we just ask that you would just multiply what we give for the good of your kingdom, God. We thank you that you are such a good father and that you give us such good gifts and provide for us in ways beyond what we can imagine. And so, Father, we, we cheerfully and gratefully give today a portion back of what you've given us. We love you. Amen. All right. Uh, the only announcement I have for you guys is that Identity Worship Night is this Tuesday. We would love to see you guys all out here for that. Um, it's just uh, it's a, a great uh, worship. Can you hear me? It's way out here, man. I don't know what to do. <laughs> I hate these things. Is that any better? Can I just not move? I just won't. I'm just not allowed to move. Um, So anyways, it's just a really uh, great time. Uh, The band doesn't rehearse for it. We just get together and we just pour our hearts out to God. And you can lay on the seats and you can draw and you can read your Bible and you can stand and sing as loud as you want. Just come worship with us. We'd love to have you. Uh, It starts at 7. So, uh, 7. Whoa, 6.30 or 7? 7 o'clock. Tuesday, this Tuesday, 7 o'clock. All right. I don't know, Jonathan. It won't stay on my ear. Maybe just bring me the handheld. (laughs) Now, what if this verse, Acts 2.42, were written today, describing modern Christians, casual Christians, the cultural Christian? I think you, you probably know where I'm going with this, right? We have people who call themselves Christian, but you never hear about Jesus from them, right? Or they just try and be a good person, right? We're just trying to be a nice, kind person. Not a bad thing, but there's more to Christianity than that, right? Or they kind of believe, or they sometimes go to church when it's like 70 degrees and sun. Well, no, they would, they would be outside then. They'd be doing, they kind of come to church when it's like 50, 50 degrees, right? What if the modern Christian version was written? It would read like this. They devoted themselves to themselves. They continually and passionately pursued a self-centered life of comfort and ease. Now, obviously, this is made up, okay? It's a modern Christian version that is made up but let's not be like those Christians, right? Now, I'm not saying that some of those things are bad. You know, the American dream is not necessarily bad, but if you're never asking God what he wants or what his will is, well, then you might be a little bit off course. You know, there's plenty of people that just want to go to school, they want to get a good job, they want to raise a family, they want to have a good life, and then they die, right? And so we have to be careful that we're not devoting ourselves to ourselves, but we're actually seeking first the one who matters most. Okay, so let's pretend that I have a line that goes all the way across the screen up there, and let's pretend that it's 168 inches long. Why 168? Every week of your life has 168 hours. So this week, today's Sunday, so this whole week has 168 hours. How do you divvy it up? The experts say you spend about a third of your time sleeping, For some of you, it's more, some less. Then you spend another third of that going to work or school, depending on your stage in life. 
So you have about 56 hours remaining. The average amount of time we spend on social media is 17 hours a week, which works out to two and a half hours a day. Two and a half hours a day is the average that we spend looking at a screen, scrolling. So then you have 39 hours left for other stuff. Going to the grocery, running your kids to all their things, doing homework, paying bills, cutting the grass, going to the gym, social hour, Net, you know, binging Netflix, of course. Got to have time for that. And then you have one teeny tiny hour left. Hmm, what are we going to do with that? Well, we're Christians, so we got to go to church. One hour out of the 168. Now, some of you, I know, spend more time with God than that. Some of you don't. The point is, we could all probably be a little bit more devoted and maybe rearrange some of those hours. If you only invest one hour of something into anything, you're not going to be very good at it, right? If you only go to the gym for one hour a week and then eat whatever you want the rest of the time, you're not going to be super ripped, right? <laughs> if you only spend an hour writing the book you've always wanted to write, it's probably going to take you forever to get it done. If you only, I can't get my kids to practice their instruments. They just will not practice. I was never like that. I just like to do it. They're just like, oh, I don't need to practice. It's like, oh, you could be so much better if you would just practice. If you only spend one hour a week with your spouse, you're probably not going to have the most amazing relationship. You're only giving them one hour, really? I mean, so anything that you only invest one hour a week in is not going to be great. If we're only partially devoted to God when it's easy or convenient, it's no wonder we fall back into sin. It's no wonder why we care more about what other people think. I mean, how many of us are on social media like, oh, I bet this post is going to get so many likes and, and TikTok. I don't understand TikTok. Just get off TikTok. Like, there's no point to TikTok. It's just such a time suck. I just think it's pointless. That's my little rant for today. Um, but it's no wonder why people don't hear about Jesus. It's no wonder why we just sit, there, sit around and wonder like, oh, man, my life. What, you know, what am I doing? Isn't there more to this? We're only partially devoted. Devotion doesn't happen by accident right? It's, you know, if you think of some of the greatest people of all time that have just had super impact on the kingdom, they see salvations, they, hear, they see healings. They didn't just wake up one morning and be like, oh, yep, I'm a supernatural powerhouse now. I know the Bible backward and forward. God and I are like super tight. I just know all these things. We're just, you know, we're doing all these things. No, they were devoted. They predecided that they were going to be intentional about their time, and they were going to spend time with God and know him and learn what he wants, What's he's doing? They're seeking first the one who matters most. It's his ongoing relationship. So how do we do that? How do we get there? How can we be devoted? Oh, I forgot my branch. I was going to bring in a branch. Okay, John 15, 5. You just have to envision one. John 15, 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Okay, so think of a branch. If you rip a branch off the tree or the one falls off, what is it? It's dead, right? It's not connected to its life source anymore. It can't get nutrients. It's, it's not full of life. It can no longer grow. It's, it's just dead. It's just on the ground, and it'll disintegrate into nothing eventually. When you're connected to your life source, when you're connected to God, you're alive. You have access to resources, Right? When you're connected to that life source, you produce spiritual fruit. Galatians 5 tells us love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If you're not devoted to God, if you're not spending time with him, how do you expect to have those things? It'll be a lot harder, let me tell you. 
And if you do have those things, are you sitting around asking questions about, oh, what is this life about? Is it ever going to get better? Now, I'm not saying every day is like, oh my gosh, life is wonderful, and I just don't have any doubts about anything. But it, you don't live there. You don't camp there because you know how to get yourself out. And you know, oh, God, I just I need to have a conversation with you right now, and we need to talk about some things, and just give me something else to focus on. You, ever, anybody ever had a bad day, and you just go pray for somebody else, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, my problem wasn't that bad. Like, you, sometimes you just have to focus on somebody else besides yourself, okay? All right, that was another rant. Sorry. All right, there's a word in this chapter, John 15, that occurs 15 times. Now, let's just see if you can figure out what that word is just from this verse. John 15, 4. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Anybody know what the, the word is that probably repeats 15 times? Remain in me as I also remain in you. <laughs> no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Okay? There is you a lot in there. I'm not, I'm not, I won't just, yeah. But if you actually go through John 15, you'll see that word remain 15 times. It's in there, what, four times in just John 15, four. And that Greek word right there is minnow. It's actually spelled M-E-N-O, but said minnow. And it means to abide, to dwell, to live in. Live in me as I also live in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must live in the vine, right? The branch is dead if it falls off. It has to be lived. It has to be grafted into that vine. We're not just talking about an hour a week at church or an hour total to spend with God. We're talking about a daily devotion. I will seek first the one who matters most. Be the branch. Predecide to stay connected, to be devoted. If you feel yourself going down a track of, ugh, or you're angry. I mean, there are days when I'm like losing my mind with my kids. I got four of them, and sometimes they just drive me nuts. And it's like, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna exit stage left, and I'm just gonna go turn on a worship song for a minute, or I'm just gonna go pray in my room for a minute. I'm just, I'm predeciding. I'm not gonna stay here. I'm going to turn myself back. I'm going to be devoted. I'm going to say, God, I need you. I need some help. We should look different than the world does. <laughs> right? You as a Christian should look different than a non-believer. You as a Christian who's walked 30 years with the Lord should look different than somebody who's just been baptized. Right? You don't just get baptized, get your little punch ticket to heaven, and that's it. This is not, it's not a, it's not a ticket. It's a relationship. It's this ongoing development. It's this, it's this devotion where you just get to go from glory to glory, right? And you get to learn more. It's a call to action to change the world, to change the world around you, and to help other people. You were designed to change the world and have your prayers answered. But the key is that devotion. It's that abiding presence. It's having the heartbeat of God. I may have 10 things on my list that I want answered, that I want to pray for, that I want God to do for me. But when he says, seek first his kingdom, I find out what's on his list. And it doesn't mean mine don't matter, but it might just mean he wants me to work on something with him first, that maybe somebody else needs something first before something on my list gets answered. And if I don't, I'm missing an opportunity to partner with him and to bless somebody else and to further his kingdom. 
And sometimes in doing what he says first, I get a key for something that I need in my life. There is this, I forgot to look up the dates, and I'm, I'm getting old, so it's hard to, everything just kind of starts blurring together. And, um, but there was this time, I, it was back before I was married, and I think it was uh, the first year that I was teaching. So we're talking like 2007, maybe. It was a long time ago. Um, but for whatever reason, I was single, I wasn't married, and my friend, my friend um, that I did all these alpha tables with, she was single too. Like, we were just... We were just single ladies, just living our good life or whatever. And, um, but we would do these alpha tables together. And God just kept putting women in front of us who couldn't conceive children. And I'm like, God, I, I'm not, not married. Like, I'm not in this lane in my life. Like, why do you keep? And it was just, it, they kept coming. Like, at each alpha table, we would have a woman that was just having a ridiculous time trying to get pregnant. And, um, and so, you know, if it happens twice, you're kind of like, uh, whatever. And then a third time, you're like, okay, God's really, really highlighting something. Um, and so I also, we also had this, we were taking a class at um, uh, C-Hop at, at the time, which is the Cincinnati House of Prayer. And there was somebody there, and they were also talking about how they couldn't conceive. They already had one child, but it had been several years, and they couldn't conceive another one. And so we were just like, well, can we pray for you? Like, God just keeps putting all these people in front of us with the same problem. And so I think he's just, I think he just wants us to pray. I think this is the stuff that's on his heart. This is this, like seeking first his kingdom, and this is what matters to him right now. And so we're just going to go after it with you if that's okay. And um, the woman wasn't even there. It was her husband. And so he was like, yeah, sure. Like, I'll totally stand in on her behalf. And so we prayed for him, and we prayed for his wife and her womb and all these things. And it was this really powerful time of prayer. And again, but my friend and I were both single. Um, and so hadn't gone through all the emotions yet of, of having a, a child, like I had loved children my whole life, wanted to be a mom, all those things, but hadn't had the actual experience of it. And so this was really what I'm trying to say. This was really God's heart that was kind of coming out and crying. Like looking back on it now, it was like it was emotional then. And now after having four kids, I know um, just the emotional, you know, it's emotional to have a kid. It's emotional when you find out you're pregnant. It's emotional when you lose a child. Um, it's an emotional journey if you can't get pregnant. And so looking back on that now, I'm like, wow, God, it's, it means even more to me because that was probably just so emotionally raw and hard for them, and you used us to help them through it. So anyways, we prayed. It was this really powerful time, and they ended up getting pregnant like the next month. And we're like, oh, man. And I mean, it had been four or five years that they couldn't. And so we we're like, that's cool. And then, you know, there was another lady at our alpha table kind of in the same season same story. Now, they didn't have any children yet, and they were going through IVF with no success and all these things. Um, and we prayed, and by the end of Alpha, she came back, and she told us that she was pregnant. I mean, God was just, and it's like, what if I wouldn't have been devoted? What if I would have ignored the whispers and not taken the chance? And I mean, all you have to do is ask. If they say no, that's on them. But what if I had not even said, hey, can I just pray with you about that? Can we just go after this together? Now, I still had things on my list that I wanted. I was trying to determine if I was going to move out to California. Um, I had all kinds of things on my list. I was praying for a husband. Like, there were things I wanted in my life, too, but God was like, no, no, here's this need. Here's what I want you to work on right now. So there's a difference between just seeking your own, your own list and seeking the kingdom first, seeking his list. doesn't mean yours doesn't matter. It just means that the timing might be different, right?
There's also a difference between praying as a servant and a son or daughter. Son, I mean, son is the same in, in, the, in the Bible. So servants, if you think about it, have to ask their master for permission. Sometimes they might beg, right? A son has a relationship. A son or daughter has a relationship with their parent. Now let's just pretend it's a good parent because God is a good parent. Don't be thinking about your own parents if that was messed up. But if you're, if you're a son or daughter of the king, you can ask and you can know and you can trust that God has your best interest at heart, that he's not going to be this angry father that spouts back at you about, no, we're not doing that right now. There's a difference between praying for something from a servant's perspective and a son or daughter's perspective. I want my kids to come to me and ask me anything. So what do I do? We spend time together and we build trust so that when they have something they need to talk about that they might be a little embarrassed about or they, they have a question, I don't want them to feel fearful or afraid. I want them to trust me and know that they can come to me with anything. It's the same with the Father. Matthew 6.33, if you remember from the beginning, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. It's not that your list doesn't matter, but we should seek the one who matters most first. All right, Romans 12, 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, perfect, pleasing will. The, the Passion Translation puts it like this. Stop imitating the ideals and opinion of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. of how you think. If, it, if the mind wasn't important, it, A, it wouldn't be mentioned, and B, it wouldn't be worth renewing. God focuses, if you go through the scriptures, he focuses so much of his energy and his time, if you will, his, his purpose is to teach us to think like he does. That's why we talk about identity here so much. If you don't know who you are, Life is going to be way harder. You have to know who you are, what he thinks about you, what you have access to. And if you're not devoted to spending time with him, if you're only giving him an hour on Sundays, it's going to be a whole lot harder to know what he thinks about you. It's going to be a whole lot harder to have a fulfilled life. If I embrace worry, if I worry all the time or I'm fearful all the time, right, how much power does the enemy have? Zero power right? He only has power if we give it to him. So if I'm worrying, if he's whispering something to me, and then I'm like, oh, yeah, what about that? What if I wreck on the way to church today? If I worry, I'm warring against the mind of Christ. If I, if I allow those lies to just take over and be my, my, the focus in my brain, I'm I'm missing out on what God's saying, right? He only has authority if you give it to him. So you have to shut that stuff down. When I entertain ideas or lies that conflict with what God says, I'm feeding that which wars with the mind of Christ. And the mind of Christ is not just this hopeful like, oh, yep, I hope it works out. I, I, you know, I, th I think it'll be okay. I'm just, you know, yeah, I have a little bit of hope. No, 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 no. When Jesus fed the 5,000, so that little boy brings him the fish and the loaves, Jesus wasn't like, well, 
mm, I hope this multiplies. I hope it feeds all these people. No, no. He was aware of the resources of his father. And he trusted his father. And he knew, he had faith, that God was going to multiply this food and feed all these people in front of him. Faith sees and dwells where nothing is impossible. We have to get our minds in that space. We have to spend time with God and realize that nothing is impossible, and he has answers. Now, before you can really have that renewed mind, and this is a renewed mind is not like a one-time, oh, yep, my mind's renewed, I'm good now. Like, everything's great, nothing's impossible. It's this constant devotion, right? It's this constant thing. But before we can have that renewed mind, there's something else that has to happen. Repentance. Now, repentance is not just coming up to an altar or coming over to the prayer team, confessing sin and accepting Jesus. That's wonderful, and it's vital, and it's totally true. It's totally biblical. I'm not trying to say that. But repentance actually means, the word actually means change the way you think. However, it's not an intellectual exercise. What does that mean? <laughs> so repentance is changing the way you think, but you can't just say, I'm going to think differently about my sin. It's more than that. So if I'm struggling with porn, or I'm struggling with yelling at my kids, or I'm struggling with anger, or I'm struggling with drugs, or whatever it is, I can't just be like, oh, well, yep, I decided today I'm not going to struggle with those things anymore. You can say that, and it's a great affirmation, and maybe, just maybe, God is going to give you the grace, and it will work out that way. But I think the Bible says that it's a godly sorrow that comes over you that produces repentance. So it's not just in my mind, I'm going to think one way and it'll produce something else. But it's this spiritual, it's this divine encounter. It's this godly sorrow that comes over you. And you're like, oh, I see it now. I am lost. I am broken. I was dead. And God has given me this epiphany. Now I'm found. If I accept him, I'm going to be alive. And it's not going to be easy, but he's, he's got all these things. It's not just it's not just being in your mind and just deciding something. Like, right, when I get up, I can decide whether or not I'm going to work out. When I get up, I decide whether or not I'm going to put jeans on or sweatpants. It's not, oh, well, today I decided I'm not going to yell at my kids. Yes, but it's this godly awareness of, oh, God, you're going to help me, and I don't have to yell at my kids. There's a better way. It's this godly sorrow that comes over people when they realize they need Jesus. That's what drives, that's the inspiration for a renewed mind. I'm not sure I'm doing that justice, but you can, you can decide to follow Jesus, obviously. But it's this... There's a, there's a spiritual encounter, there's this divine encounter that, that, will, that should and will and does come over people that finally turns the switch for people, right? You can have the most hardened person in the room, and all of a sudden they realize that they need Jesus. Why? Not because their own intellectual mind told them, but because the Spirit of God, the presence of God, fell on them, and their spirit realized, oh, I was so lost, I was so broken, and I need this Savior, there's, a, there's something in the spiritual realm that happens there. All right. The renewing of the mind in that scripture, back in um, Romans 12 too. So when it says be transformed, that word for be transformed is the same word they use um, when they describe Jesus uh, being trans transfigured. So if you remember in the Gospels, Jesus goes up on this mountain with a couple of his disciples, and he like literally becomes white 
right? Like his clothes are, are super white. You could never get him that white if you tried. Like it's a supernatural, he's just white. And like the disciples are like, what is going on? Um, it says it was like lightning. That's how bright it was. So in that story, Jesus was physically transformed. They could see it with their own eyes. Um, it happened in the natural, right in front of them, right? So that same word for transformation there is the same word for transformed in the renewing of your mind. So you can't necessarily see it in the natural. It's not something you just decided to do, but it's that supernatural, that spiritual encounter that transformed your mind, and now you're living from this other place of you're no longer going to think the way you did before because you have Jesus. The mind of Christ is the beginning of transformation. A transformed mind is what leads to a transformed person. A transformed person is what goes out and transforms other people's lives, nations, cities, all those things. A renewed mind makes hope possible. And what's God's will? If you boiled it down to the simplest thing in the Bible, in my opinion, it's on earth as it is in heaven, right? What is his will? On earth as it is in heaven. What ushers that in? A renewed mind. If you don't think the way he does, you can't usher in his kingdom. If you don't know that nothing is impossible, you can't, you can't pray for people here on earth believing that nothing is impossible. You have to spend time with him. You have to be devoted to get that mindset, right? You can't have a renewed mind. You can't look different than the world if you're not devoted to God. And if we want to change the world, if we want to change our little communities, our little lives, our little families, our neighborhoods, our schools, our workplace, if we want those fruits of the Spirit, we have to be connected to the vine. We have to be the branches. We have to be devoted. We have to renew our minds. We can't look like the world. So seek first the one who matters most. Predecide to be devoted. Now, if you've never done that, or you're out of practice, or you just want a refresher, if you want some practical tips, this part's for you. You can predecide a time, predecide a place, and predecide a plan. Right? So pick a time that works for you. I'm a morning person. If I don't work out before noon, it's not going to happen. <laughs> noon work, rolls around, it's like, oh, forget it. I'm just, nope, not happening. I, my kids go to bed between 7 and 7.30. I'm useless after that. Don't ask me to answer any important questions. Ben knows we're not allowed to talk about money after 6 p.m. Like, my brain just doesn't function. Like, I just, I'm useless at seven, after 7 o'clock. So that's not a good time for me to try and sit down and learn and study the Bible because I'm too tired. So pick a time that works for you. Some of you are night owls, and maybe that does work for you. Great. Pick a time where you're going to be successful, but be intentional about it. Pick a place. Now, this doesn't always have to be the same place, especially if you're a busy parent. Um, but again, pick somewhere that's going to be successful. If the TV's in the room, eh, it might not be the best, best spot because you might be distracted um, or you know, be tempted to turn it on and watch your favorite series or something. And maybe you just don't have a ton of time, and so your place is in the car on the way to work. That's okay. Be intentional about it, though. Start it. Start the discipline. And then predecide a plan, right? If you're a parent like I am, date nights don't just happen. Like, you have to plan them. You have to, like, find a babysitter, put it on the calendar. Like, they don't happen. You make a plan. 
And the th- it's the same with being devoted to God, especially if you've never done it before or you've, you know, life has gotten busy. We're, we're all guilty of life being busy. So decide, maybe you're going to do a version plan. On the Bible app, they have great plans that you can follow, and you can pick five days, five months. There's all kinds of different ones. Maybe you're going to journal. Maybe you want to read a certain book of the Bible. Maybe you just want to read a certain Christian book to start out with. Um, maybe you want to listen to a worship song or a podcast. I mean, I would still encourage you, though, to, like, actually listen to God and not just talk at him. <laughs> it should be two ways. But the point is, is let's be devoted. Let's not just give God the leftovers. Seek first the one that matters most. And by doing this discipline, by setting a plan, it does get easier. The goal eventually is that you're just talking with him all the day, all the, all the time, all day, every day. And you do wake up thinking about him first, and you do go to bed thinking about him last. He should be in your number one spot. If you've got a spouse there or kids there, good luck. (laughs) And I know that sounds harsh, but you can't love other people well for very long if he's not in your number one spot. All right. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We love you so much. And God, I just ask that you would help us all on this journey to just be more devoted, to look more like you so that we can do the things that you want us to do, God, that you would teach us how to be a people that seeks you first, that we would not just be devoted to ourselves but to you and your desires that our lives would just would just shine with who you are, God, that you would make us bold and courageous to talk about you and live like you and use words if necessary. <laughs> Sometimes actions, God. Actions speak louder than words, God. So just make us faithful sons and daughters, God, that know who we are, that know what we have access to, God, I just pray for minds here today, God. God, there's so much that goes into a healthy mind. So much. But God, the biggest piece of that is you and just being with you and learning what you think about us and what you want us to do and what you have for us, God. And yes, there are all kinds of things that get whacked out physically in our bodies. There's inflammation and chemicals and just all kinds of things in the natural that, yes, we could be better at. But God, we could also be better at that spiritual aspect, God. And so I just pray today for everyone in this room, for everybody watching, God, we just pray over the minds. We just plead the blood of Jesus on them, God, and we just say make them strong, line them up with heaven, line them up with your word, God, in the name of Jesus that this would just be a healthy church, that minds would be renewed. Show us each on an individual letter level what that looks like. And God, I pray that you would pour out your healing on people. God, sometimes there's things in our minds that need to be dealt with. They need to be healed. There's trauma and emotional stuff that needs to be walked through. Everybody has that. And so, God, I just pray for a special grace and mercy over our church body, that those things would be dealt with, that you would make people bold to ask for help. God, that we are not called to walk alone, 
that if somebody needs to get with somebody and pray through stuff, or they need to schedule or sozo, or they need help finding a counselor, God, all those things are things that you use, and we bless them. God, just total transformation and renewing of our minds that this house, this body of people would know without a shadow of a doubt who they are in you, God. Hmm. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for all that you do, all that you are. You are a good, good father. It's in your name we pray these things. Amen. All right, if anybody needs prayer, there'll be some people over here. Otherwise, have a great week. For more information about Vineyard Westside, please visit vineyardwestside.com.